Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Shaws. Today we have part three of Prince Darling, and the prince, he has punished his love, Celia, by making her a prisoner because she wouldn't marry him because, well, to be quite plain, he had become a bit of a jerk. And so we rejoin the prince, Prince Darling, the good king's son, as he strives, maybe, eventually, to be good, but not just yet. One of the prince's favorite companions was his foster brother, whom he trusted entirely, but he was not at all a good man, and gave Prince Darling very bad advice, and encouraged him in all his evil ways. When he saw the prince so downcast, he asked what was the matter, and when he explained that he could not bear Celia's bad opinion of him, and was resolved to be a better man in order to please her, this evil adviser said to him, You're very kind to trouble yourself about this little girl. If I were you, I would soon make her obey me. Remember that you are a king, and that it would be laughable to see you trying to please a shepherdess, who ought to be only too glad to be one of your slaves. Keep her in prison and feed her on bread and water for a little while, and then... If she still says she will not marry you, have her head cut off to teach other people that you mean to be obeyed. Why, if you cannot make a girl like that do as you wish, your subjects will soon forget that they are only put into the world for our pleasure. But, said Prince Darling, would it not be a shame if I had an innocent girl put to death? For Celia really has done nothing to deserve punishment. If people will not do as you tell them, they ought to suffer for it, answered his foster brother. But even if you were unjust, you had better be accused of that by your subjects than that they should find out that they may insult and thwart you as often as they please. In saying this, he was touching a weak point in his brother's character, for the prince's fear of losing any of his power made him at once abandon his first idea of trying to be good, and resolved to try and frighten the shepherdess into consenting to marry him. His foster brother, who wanted to make him keep this resolution, invited three young courtiers as wicked as himself to sup with the prince, and they persuaded him to drink a great deal of wine and continued to excite his anger against Celia by telling him that she had laughed at his love for her, until at last, in quite a furious rage, he rushed off to find her, declaring that if she still refused to marry him, she should be sold as a slave the very next day. But when he reached the room in which Celia had been locked up, he was greatly surprised to find that she was not in it, though he had had the key in his own pocket all the time. His anger was terrible, and he vowed vengeance against whomever had helped her to escape. His bad friends, when they heard him, resolved to turn his wrath upon an old nobleman who had formerly been his tutor, and who still dared sometimes to tell the prince of his faults, for he loved him as if he had been his own son. At first, Prince Darling thanked him, but after a time he grew impatient and thought it must be the mere love of fault-finding that made his old tutor blame him when everyone else was praising and flattering him. So he ordered him to retire from his court, though he still from time to time spoke of him as a worthy man whom he respected, even if he no longer loved him. His unworthy friends feared that he might some day take it into his head to recall his old tutor, so they thought now they had a good opportunity of getting him banished forever. They reported to the prince that Suleiman, for that was the tutor's name, 
had boasted of having helped Celia to escape, and they bribed three men to say that Suleiman himself had told them about it. The prince, in great anger, sent his foster brother with a number of soldiers to bring his tutor before him in chains like a criminal. After giving this order, he went to his own room, but he had scarcely got into it when there was a clap of thunder which made the ground shake and the fairy truth appeared suddenly before him. I promised your father, she said sternly, to give you good advice and to punish you if you refuse to follow it. You have despised my counsel and have gone your own evil way until you are only outwardly a man. Really, you're a monster, the horror of everyone who knows you. It is time that I should fulfill my promise and begin your punishment. I condemn you to resemble the animals whose ways you have imitated. You have made yourself like the lion by your anger and like the wolf by your greediness, like a snake you have ungratefully turned upon one who was a second father to you. Your churlishness has made you like a bull. Therefore, in your new form, take the appearance of all these animals. The fairy had scarcely finished speaking when Prince Darling saw to his horror that her words were fulfilled. He had a lion's head, a bull's horns, a wolf's feet, and a snake's body. At the same instant he found himself in a great forest beside a clear lake in which he could see plainly the horrible creature he had become. And a voice said to him, Look carefully at the state to which your wickedness has brought you. Believe me, your soul is a thousand times more hideous than your body. Prince Darling recognized the voice of the fairy Truth, and turned in a fury to catch her and eat her up if possible. But he saw no one, and the same voice went on. I laugh at your powerlessness and anger, and I intend to punish your pride by letting you fall into the hands of your own subjects. The prince began to think that the best thing he could do would be to get far away from the lake as he could. Then, at least, he would not be continually reminded of his terrible ugliness. So he ran towards the wood. Before he had gone many yards, he fell into a deep pit which had been made to trap bears, and the hunters who were hiding in a tree leapt down and secured him with several chains, and led him into the chief city of his own kingdom. On the way, instead of recognizing that his own faults had brought this punishment upon him, he accused the fairy of being the cause of all his misfortunes, and bit and tore at his chains furiously. And that is the end of part three of Prince Darling, and we see that the prince is getting his punishment and not taking it well. This is Dan Scholes for the Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Threads and Instagram at Folktale Project, and you can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening.